Welcome to the second of three parts of this roundtable discussion with the faculty of the Educational Initiative, Optimizing Postoperative Pain Management, Role of Local Anesthetics. These podcasts were produced by ASHP Advantage and supported by an educational grant from Pacera Pharmaceuticals, Inc. In part two, Dr. Julie Golombuski discusses the role of pharmacists in optimizing postoperative pain management when local anesthetics are used with Drs. Virginia Gafour and Leslie Schechter. Well, let's talk for a bit about the role of pharmacists in managing postoperative pain in the hospitalized patients. With so many pain management guidelines available, what is the best process for improving postoperative pain management in our institutions, and how can pharmacists get involved in that? I think that the first thing that pharmacists need to think about when we're looking at postoperative pain management is, is there an issue in your hospital? And a couple of things that can be done to evaluate this is to, first of all, look at your HCAP scores. Let's take a look at them, see if there are areas of improvement that can be discussed with surgeons and anesthesiologists so that if you're looking at back pain, if you're looking at knee replacement, if you're looking at cholecystectomies, what is the patient's response to how well their pain was managed? And if there is an issue, take a look at the order sets. Uh, Look to see if multimodal therapy has been applied to the order sets. This can include giving round-the-clock non-opiates, such as acetaminophen or NSAIDs, possibly using one of the gabinoids, uh, pregabalin or uh, gabapentin, and determining whether the addition of this may be beneficial if there is an issue. So a pharmacist should really get involved by looking at the post-op order sets. Thank you, Leslie. And, you know, actually many hospitals are not fortunate enough to have a pain team and many pharmacy departments don't have the luxury of having someone like us who specialize in pain management on staff. Do you have any advice about what pharmacists in smaller hospitals can do to improve postoperative pain management? With postoperative pain management, it's really challenging when you're in a small urban or rural hospital, and we um, have worked with several of them that are under 100 beds, even under 50 beds. You don't have a pain expert. You don't have a palliative care expert. And a lot of times your pharmacists are working either in a central location or they have very little contact with the operating room, the OR suites and that. So they really don't have a connection to the dispensing process that goes on directly up in that area. And so you are challenged with getting the optimization of the pain management there as well as the safety. And so we have tried to develop ways of communicating through outreach with these sites. We've worked with um, web-based applications to try to demonstrate ways that you could fill an elastomeric pump and develop policies and procedures that could be followed in that particular site that would be more applicable to the pharmacy department. For an example, you know, in a large-scale hospital where you do multiple elastomeric pumps, you may have to use um, repeater pumps to fill the pumps. Then, you know, the pharmacists need to know how to use these for pain management and employ this in a multimodal fashion with the um, other modalities that they have and help guide that up on the floor. So we recommend that they not only have guidelines for the local anesthetic, but also opioids and NSAIDs. And so working on ways to connect through the Internet with the distance sites, as well as using a lot of the guidelines that are more peer-reviewed by societies such as the American Society of Anesthesiology or American Pain Society. 
Well, those are great suggestions. And then I'm wondering, there are also some intravenous and more expensive forms of medication. So how do you think that the added expense of intravenous pain management medications can be justified when oral formulations are considerably less expensive? One thing that we have to look at when you're considering oral versus IV is when and where you're going to use it and what type of patient. Sometimes surgeons get into the habit of, I just want to use this for this patient because, you know, X, Y, and Z. And you have to make sure that they're thinking about the appropriateness in the patient. For instance, if you want to give something preoperatively, preoperatively most patients can take oral. So give the appropriate dosing orally. Postoperatively, that may be more of an issue. So you may want to consider, would this be of benefit in the immediate post-op situation where the person may be nauseous from the anesthetic, from the opiates that were used, and maybe they can give a dose of IV acetaminophen or IV catorolac to help with the pain in addition to the opiate. Keeping in mind the opiate can cause more issues with nausea. So we have to keep in mind, you know, what's going on there. But I would not make it so that an IV formulation for a patient who can take certainly things orally is just continued. You need to have a mechanism to give one dose, to give a certain number of doses, and then reassess the patient. There needs to be a method to do that. And whether it's the nurses that are reassessing it, the pharmacists that can get involved, but that you're not just giving more expensive meds simply because it's available. This concludes this part of the roundtable discussion. If you'd like to hear more about optimizing the management of postoperative pain, please listen to the other two parts of this podcast series. In addition, two web-based continuing pharmacy education activities on this topic will be available, one in March and the other in April 2014. To access these activities and other educational opportunities on this topic, visit the web portal at www.ashpadvantage.com forward slash post-op pain.